Welcome to Church in the Basement, where we seek to see God more clearly and to live a life loving God and loving others. Hey, welcome everybody back to the basement and back to part three of walking through a conversation that Jesus is having with the air quote Jews, the Jews, uh, at the time of Hanukkah, the Feast of Dedication. And I love how John says this, it was winter, which sort of sets the stage. I'm sure it was winter seasonally, but was it winter in their minds and in their hearts too? Maybe. Uh, So we have Jesus talking to the Jews at the time of the Feast of Dedication. And we've talked through how what was on everybody's mind uh, at this time was Hanukkah. And at this time, they're celebrating Judas Maccabeus, this savior, right? This Messiah in a sense, who when this guy Antiochus Epiphanes came in and, and oppressed Israel, he did some really awful things. Judas Maccabeus rose up and liberated Israel from Antiochus and drove him out and rededicated the temple. So on their mind is this warrior-like Messiah or Savior. And Jesus is challenged by the people around him, which it says the Jews, I'd imagine the Pharisees are probably a part of this conversation, as they always are, and the setting is the temple. So he's challenged with, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus responds with, I told you, and and the works that I do are of my Father, but you don't believe because you're not my sheep. My sheep know my voice and they hear my voice. And that leads into this place where, okay, Jesus, why why aren't they his sheep? And then it leads us into this place of, why is anybody not your sheep? And so we wrestled through this, this fact that there is divine sovereignty, right? God operates out of divine sovereignty, his will, God's will, that he is in control of all things. But then he has also invited human will into that process. And anytime we see Jesus talk about his divine sovereignty, um, he is God and he is in control of all things. He is always coupling it with the parallel truth that we are responsible to believe. We are responsible to some action, but it is by looking at him and delighting in him that we are moved into that action. It is all God, all him doing it, but we get to step in and participate with what what God is already doing. So we wrestled through that, which gives life a lot of purpose, a lot of meaning that we are, uh, like we've talked about before, co-creators with God, that we are He has asked us to help with ushering in his kingdom, and he has divinely ordained that process, that he wants to to do it with us, even though he's doing it all. So we talked through that, and and at the end of that conversation, Jesus says this, this thing in verse 29, John 10, verse 29, my father who has given them to me, his sheep, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. 
So he's giving us this assurance that those of us who are his sheep, who believe in him and have, have given over our lives and say, Jesus, we, we want to be a part of your will, your plan. We don't want to wrestle against that and struggle against that the rest of our lives. Let's step into the purpose. Let's, I want to know you. I want to delight in you. And I want love to pour out of my life because you have poured it in me. God, you are the prize. You are the reward. That when we do that, we have this assurance that no one can, can rip us from that relationship with him. That no one can snatch us out of his hands. And he says, and I and the Father are one. But of course, what do these Jews do? It says in verse 31, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. They want to stone him for explaining this blessed assurance, right? Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? Jesus asks this question in the face of, this wasn't just kids messing around in the backyard picking up rocks and they were going to throw it at each other. They wanted to kill him in this moment because they knew exactly what he was saying. I am God, that the Father God, Elohim, Yahweh, that we are one. He was saying that within the triune God, uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that he is the Son, that he is God. And, and according to Levitical and law and, and in Numbers and Deuteronomy, that that was punishable by death. So they were picking up stones to carry out the law, right? And, and totally missed the blessed assurance, like the assurance we have of being his sheep. But Jesus asks them, which work are you stoning me for? I love how he brings, brings up this topic of work that, that we see in, in the New Testament that gets the, the early church pretty tripped up because there are some people who rely too heavily on works. And, and then there are those who are like, no, 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 no. It's, it's by belief and faith that we are saved and our works come from our delight in God and, and the work that he does inside of us. But he says, which work are, are you going to kill me for? And they say, it is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. So they're calling him out for blasphemy, even though he said, like, he's pointing out, my works are good. They are of the Father. And Jesus answered them. Kind of this interesting answer. Is it not written in your law? I said you are gods. Little g. Little g gods. If he called them whom the word of God came... And scripture cannot be broken. Do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God. If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. 
So Jesus is bringing up kind of an obscure psalm. It's Psalm 82. And it's really an interesting text. I, here, let me read it for you. Psalm 82, verse 1. It's, it's only eight verses, so I'll read through the whole thing. God, big G, has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, little g, he holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Selah. Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They have neither knowledge or under, nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are, again, little g, gods, sons of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit the nations. A really interesting text where, where it's, pointing to the the definition of the word Elohim. So Elohim is the word for God here, both big G and little g. And Elohim is the name of God that we see in Genesis 1. It says, in the beginning, Elohim. In the beginning, God. And so Elohim is sort of the power, authority, when we see judgment and that kind of a thing. Elohim is typically used. And then when there's mercy and and sort of this softer touch of God that usually it's one of the other names, typically Yahweh. But Elohim also, it means the one true God, but it also means appointed rulers. It's this authority, right? And so Jesus is pointing to sort of this play on, uh, on using the word Elohim out of Psalms. He says, it is written in your law, which I think is funny that it's not, necessarily law literature. It's out of the Psalms that he points this out. Maybe leaning into the fact, uh, this isn't concrete, but maybe leaning into the fact that, man, guys, you are overthinking it. You are taking the whole of the Old Testament and you're trying to line it up to people's lives to make them be perfect. When what it is pointing to is me. It's pointing to me. I am Elohim. I am the one true God. I am him. I have come to save the world. I'm not one of these little g gods who are sons of the Most High, but nevertheless, like all men, will die and fall like any prince. I will not fall. I will not die. I am God. And if you what he's saying here is, is I am the big G. I'm not the little G. And look at the works of the little G's. Look at your own works. You will all die just like men, just like any other prince. Look at the works of your life, but look at the works that I do because of who I am. God is love, and so he works love. And he's saying, if you don't believe who I am on an intellectual level, will you look at the works? The works that come from my Father, these works of love, 
Will you look at them and let them lead you to who I am? Let them be the evidence. Let them convince you. I really, when I look at this text, I hear that call in our own life. It's a typical thing that I hear, you know, what do you think of this guy, this Christian leader? What do you think of this Christian leader? And, and what I want to say is, yeah, maybe the works that they do, the things that they say, if they're a, a, a legitimate leader, and this whole text in John 10 is talking about false prophets or false teachers, it started with, I am the shepherd and I am the door and I will protect you from these things. And, and, and at the end of John 10, he's talking about, look at the works. My works are from the Father But the works of these false teachers, the works of these little G gods, these people who are maybe appointed as leaders, they're always going to fall short, but mine will never fall short because they are the works of me. And I would say what he is saying then still stands today. It is truth that no matter who you see like on YouTube or at these big conferences or whatever it may be, Their goal as ministers of the gospel is to point you to Jesus. They're going to stumble and fall. And yeah, man, if they're falling short and, and it's sending you away from Jesus and it's sending people away from Jesus, we need to expose those things. Yes. But for us personally, come to the feet of Jesus and let the works that are being done in the kingdom to usher in the kingdom of God bring you to God himself. That you wouldn't be so held to these little G gods, but you would be compelled to the big G, the Elohim, the Yahweh. That you would sit at his feet and be led by his spirit. Look at his works. And guys, I'm not even talking about the supernatural. I believe in the supernatural. I have seen people healed because God gave me a picture in my head and I saw a woman healed. Because I saw a flower dress and her gripping her hand and we laid hands on her, we prayed for her and she was healed. It is not impossible for God to heal. He is a healer. But God is doing work in your life. He is working through you. He is speaking through you in conversations to encourage people, to uplift people. He hears your prayers and whether you see it in front of you, whether it's tangible or not. He is working and he is moving. I pray on a daily basis, God, would you give me eyes to see where you're working so I can be encouraged by your work, not my work, but your work, encouraged to walk in the fullness of what you have for me, to walk in the way of Jesus because I am compelled by the work of him who created me, who sent me, who called me, who purposed me, who sanctified me. It is all by his work that we are led to the cross and then we are led by him in the way that he created us to live. Let's look for the work. And you know what? I I say this all the time to those who don't know Jesus. Say, God, would you reveal a work in my life? I know this to be true. It, It Felt like such a long time, but I look back on it, and I, I, I know I laid out my testimony a, a while ago on this podcast, but, but God did some supernatural things to get my attention. 
He did work in my life, and it led me to his heart, slowly but surely. It takes a long time for me to get it, but slowly but surely, I was led to his heart. Years and years after he did the supernatural in my life, I was sitting on a bus in Argentina, and the cross finally hit me, and I understood what it all meant. And I know that maybe what I understand is only a fraction of who God is, but I delight in the fact that he took my sin and he died for it on the cross so that I could now live with his spirit inside of me. The only way I am even able to push this mic up to my mouth and and proclaim the good news of who Christ is is by the power of his spirit, by the work that he has done in my life. Guys, he is doing work in your life. I pray now that he would open up your eyes. Spend some time this week asking God, if you are not seeing him working in your life, would you ask him, God, would you give me eyes to see? Would you give me a fresh pair of spiritual lenses to see your work happen in my life? I pray that he reveals his work to you, that it would lead you to the heart of God and that you would be propelled into the purpose he created you for. Hey, I love you guys. Uh, Let's talk later this week. I'm looking forward to it.